Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, spooks, the Russian spies among us. It's September 2014 and Trinity College Dublin is heaving as crowds of students arrive back after the summer break. And as newcomers on campus adjust to university life, there's one student who keeps his distance. He's friendly, but goes about his days drawing as little attention to himself as possible. His name is Victor Muller Ferreira. People who knew him in Trinity College felt that he was chilled, he was friendly, but he never engaged too closely. It seems he wanted to avoid deep relationships where people might actually start to question his background a little more, more closely. But even when studying for his degree, some classmates thought something was off about Victor. For one, the Brazilian facade just didn't tally. At the time, Victor's classmates took him at face value. But now when they look back, they think that actually he did speak with a bit of a weird English accent. He had a bit of a twang. He didn't look particularly Brazilian. So there were some red flags. But Muller's true identity has only just come to light. Authorities in the Netherlands say they've expelled a Russian spy who had previously studied in Trinity College Dublin. Recently, he was arrested and deported by Dutch immigration officials after being exposed as a Russian spy by Western intelligence. And he's not the only spy among us, because espionage is everywhere. There is speculation that there's up to 40 spies operating here. There could be 140. I'm Siobhan Maguire, and today on the Indo-Daily, I speak to Irish Independence Group Head of News Kevin Doyle and Special Correspondent Paul Williams about the Trinity graduate and indeed other Russian spooks operating in Ireland. Kevin Doyle... Who was Victor Muller, or should I say, Sergei Vladimirovich Cherkasov? Well, I think that's the first point, Siobhan, is that there is no Victor Muller. He doesn't exist. That was just an alias used by this guy, Sergei, who was an elite Russian spy, or at least his time in Ireland was spent building up his backstory so that he could become an elite spy. He attended Trinity College for four years between 2014 and 2018. And while he was there, he completed a political science degree, which he actually graduated with first class honours from in November 2018. And 
it really was just a minor part in the story of this guy who was on his way, or so it's so we now seem to know, to becoming a very potentially influential spy and very successful spy until it all went wrong. And how did the story actually come to light? Well, it was on the back of reports from Dutch intelligence, actually. So he had left Ireland after finishing up in Trinity College. Um, and in recent months, he had gained an internship at the International Criminal Courts using the false identity of this Brazilian citizen, Victor Muller. And he had spent over a decade, according to the Dutch, building up that persona, being in Dublin, being part of that. And what they believe is that he was actually an agent for the Russian organization GRU, which is essentially military intelligence. And he flew to the Netherlands in April, believing that he had actually gained access to the war crimes court. And now, of course, we know that's very relevant at the minute because of everything that is happening in Ukraine, uh, the war crimes that are alleged to have happened and the investigations that are going to take place at the International Criminal Courts. So from a Russian perspective, to have had somebody inside that court who may have been able to access things like the court's email systems or get some insight into what was going on, possibly tamper with or destroy documents. We don't know exactly what he was planning to do, but I guess we can imagine and speculate, had he got that sort of inside access in the International Criminal Courts, um, what might have been possible. I'm going to have to ask you to explain to me what the GRU actually is. I know you touched upon it there, Kevin, but have you any more details on on them? Well, the GRU is probably Russia's most effective spy agency. We've all heard of the KGB and the KGB, I suppose, has been immortalized in many films and we hear talks about Soviet spooks. And the KGB effectively ended at the when the the Soviet Union uh, fell. But GRU or GRU has continued and it is one of the most powerful um, intelligence organizations within Russia, which has many of these things, but it goes outward. So it goes to other countries, it puts agents into other countries. And as seems in this case, they invest a lot of time in individuals so that they can build up uh, stories that will allow them to, to infiltrate places like this. But People will possibly have heard of them in relation to the Salisbury nerve agent attack in the UK in 2018. A third Russian man is facing charges over his alleged involvement in the Salisbury poisonings three years ago, which left one woman dead and three others critically ill. Security sources believe Denis Sergeyev led the team on the ground in Salisbury when Novichok poison was used against Sergei Skripal, a former Russian spy, and his daughter Yulia. People might remember the name Sergei Skripal, and he was a former GRU officer, uh, and there was that attempted assassination attempt on him at the time. So that's one instance of where Gru would have come to public note. The other was they're accused of being responsible for interfering in the, the elections Um, in America through the use of cyber attacks and other means. And obviously with events in Ukraine at the minute, um, there is a belief that they have upped their activities and perhaps, as we're seeing in this case, where they were trying to infiltrate the international criminal courts, have become a little bit more ambitious uh, in what they're trying to do in their espionage efforts. Now, Sergei as Victor had everyone fooled, didn't he? His peers in Trinity College and John Hopkins. Just how did he manage to do this, Kevin? Well, he had quite an elaborate backstory. And you're right, he did seem to have people fooled, although 
Our colleague in the Irish Independent, Ivan Murray, spoke to a number of his former uh, colleagues in, in recent days who were in college with him. And they all kind of look back now going, oh, maybe it wasn't. Or maybe we should have spotted something. His story didn't really add up. But at the time, um, they, they certainly didn't put a huge amount of thought into it. So he had effect- effectively told people that he was a mature student from Brazil. Um, so you can't get much further away from from Russia than than South America. Um, and he had what people say was a weird English accent, but that his Portuguese was actually quite convincing. So I guess if you're in Dublin, um, people probably don't pass that much remarks. We're, we're pretty multicultural, especially in the, the third level education setting. There's all sorts of foreign students. So people didn't really question his background entirely. But friends who did uh, speak to him and had some international languages felt that he talked with a bit of a twang in his accent. And they also thought that he didn't look particularly Brazilian. Um, but at the time, he said he had German heritage. So that explained um, why he didn't come across, I suppose, as Brazilian as some of the uh, many other Brazilian students that were in Trinity College. He didn't really hang out with the Brazilian community or, in, or, or engage hugely with the Brazilian community. So there was perhaps this sense in hindsight, that he was avoiding anyone that could have exposed his story, that he didn't want to get too deep into conversations with people. He wasn't going for coffees. He wasn't creating close friends uh, or anything like that. But he did succeed in Trinity and he graduated and from there went on to John Hopkins uh, University in in Baltimore in America, where he studied um, to continue building up his CV. Upon a time, spying or espionage was a fairly straightforward game. It's not just stealing military hardware and secret plans, but using tanks and plans and men. Paul Williams, we know that uh, the Russian spy was building his cover story in Trinity College, but there are Russian spies operating in Ireland um, at the moment, aren't there? Well, of course there are. That's why um, the government expelled four so-called diplomats for for conduct unbecoming um, and they were always known um, th- th- there is a, there has been a constant presence of uh, Russian spies and uh, specialists in espionage and, count- and intelligence gathering and um, Compromat, which is compromising people, uh, they've they've all kinds of, shall we say, sinister and dirty players here, and they've been here for as long as the Russians have been here, and that's since the early nineteen seventies. We we still get quite excited by the idea of espionage, don't we? I mean, you you know, is it all very much James Bond and the like, or are we getting carried away with ourselves now? Well, the people who would tell you that it's anything but glamorous. Are the people involved in it? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you read the storylines of ex-spies uh, who tell the truth, um, it's it's anything but John le Carrier or, or Freddie Forsythe. Um, it's it's very mundane stuff. It's about picking up little pieces of intelligence here and there and gathering it and putting it together. Very, it, 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 it almost Siobhan in the way uh, journalists do their job. We go around to different places. We try to get the truth, the full picture of a story. And we go and talk to different people. And for various reasons, they tell you bits and pieces of that story. But it's our job to piece together what the full picture is. And then we present it and publish it as best we can. That's almost like the way spies operate. Uh, so these guys are, they like th- that guy, and I'm glad, thank you very much for not asking me to pronounce his name, because he, <laughs> it's impossible. But, you know, the, the, the vast majority of people they have, now there are ba- figures bandied around about 40, 50. The truth is that this is, a, this is not only just a gray world, this is a shadowy, dark world. It's a secret world. 
So all we can do is stay in the realms of speculation when we're talking about it. But there are, there is speculation that there's up to 40 spies operating here. There could be 140 spies 40 operating. Russian spies? Russian spies, yeah but, yeah. but it's not that they're essentially, they're being coordinated and run from the Russian embassy. But you have all this network of people outside who probably don't even contact the Russian embassy who are involved in spying and have been embedded here for years. Remember, Vladimir Putin is a spy, lifelong spy. He has been building his spying and espionage uh, infrastructure for well over 20 years on a very uh, focused level. So they've always been here. And we know our neighbours in the UK have MI5, but does Ireland have its own counterintelligence operation, Paul? Well, we do, um, and it, it would be very wrong. I, can, I know we come in for a lot of criticism in this country because the Garda Síochána is in charge of national security because it's, it's the national police force, um, and it tends to get find itself in the butt of jokes, but that's the way the, the police here have always operated. They like to operate that way as if... People think, nah, they wouldn't have anything like this. It's, it, it comes under the umbrella of the Garda National Crime and Security Intelligence Services, which, Service, which is based in Garda headquarters, and the Special Detective Unit. The Special Detective Unit is a special branch, and it's based in Harcourt Square. And they have what's called a red section. Um, and Special Branch, or SDU, Special Detective Unit, main target of operations for 30, 40 years was the Provisional IRA. Um, and they, they spied on them for a considerable period of time. And of course, the IRA and themselves had a lot of connections with the Russians, and perhaps are one of the reasons why the, the Russians have such a big footprint here. But that, that section's called, that's called Red Section. Um, so we do have that. Now, there is a very strong uh, argument uh, being put, together by people in the stakeholders in the security sector, so to speak, that we need a proper, properly designated um, national security service, which is independent of a Garda Síochána, has, uses the Garda Síochána infrastructure and its expertise and obviously a lot of its personnel, but it would also include an awful lot more people, a lot more people from the Defence Forces who have a lot of very uh, a good skill sets, like for example, Irish Army officers have been training, or sorry, been working abroad uh, are effectively have learned a huge amount about gathering intelligence from the various missions they've been on around the world. Um, so there is a very strong argument for that. Can we go back to the 40 or 50 Russian spies in Ireland, Paul? I mean, we hear an awful lot uh, recently about the Russian embassy, for example. Um, and then Victor Muller's story has just cast a light upon the fact that we do have spies among us. But, but the Victor Muller story is a classic case. That's that's classic. That's how they operate. Um, we don't know, you see, Siobhan. This is the whole thing. Um, we don't know. What we do know is that any of the sources I would talk to, and if you do talk to even really, really good sources in the intelligence service, they will always, 90% of what they know, they will not be sharing with you. But a lot of these people are involved in businesses. Ireland is seen as a soft touch because it's seen to have a weak uh, security infrastructure. Um, it's seen to be neutral, but on whose side? Uh, watery on that. They depend on the Brits, the British Royal Air Force to provide their air security, if you know what I mean. Uh, they, you know, we have a, a Navy which is barely capable of putting its ships to sea. Um, so these guys come and we, we're our big thing in Ireland because it's, it's a small open economy is, is foreign direct investment. Like that's how a lot of spies come to places like Ireland to companies that are investing here. They aren't clocking in at the gates of uh, the Russian embassy every morning uh, with their cards to say, okay, I'm here for the day's work. The people who are in the Russian embassy, the Russian embassy, which is very important, very serious, is that 
it is well known in the international service circles that they have been they have set up or established a, a major European intelligence and espionage uh, and information gathering post outpost and in in Ireland to for is their back door into Europe and the front door over to the United States. So Ireland is very important in all of that. And so therefore they take advantage of that. So you the people in 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 the Russian embassy would be coordinating the spies on the ground. But remember again, going back to the fact that this is not anything but glamorous, the spy on the ground could be a guy driving a taxi here in Dublin. You know, uh, he could be a, a Russian immigrant who has been here for years and could be driving a taxi around. And Paul, who are these spies targeting? Is it is it prominent businessmen? Is it politicians? Do we even know? Well, we what we do know so far is that there was one incident, and we had this in the Irish Independent about two months ago, the story, and this did come from very good sources at the time, um, that a very senior business person from another country one of our allied countries, I think it was the United States, to be honest, um, was the victim of what they call compromise, where this person had been, this is one of the things, one of their, the, the sinister strings to their uh, espionage bow, so to speak, the, the Russians have, and that is where they compromise somebody. Like, you know, the speculation about Donald Trump, which has been well and truly ventilated, yeah. that the same thing happened Donald Trump, which is why Trump is supposed to be terrified of Putin. Remember, Putin's a lifelong spy. But what the American, what the Irish did was they immediately brought this to the attention of their allies, uh, the Americans in this case, and said, look, this person has been compromised. We're aware this is happening. You, you really need to get him home because that's how they operate. They compromise somebody and they blackmail them. They also, because we're the home of foreign direct investment, because we're the big uh, tech hub of Europe, we're the Silicon Valley of Europe, there are so many things to spy on. Um, uh, there is also, they watch very, very closely discussions and narrative and discourse in politics here. They analyze and pull that apart all the time to see who they can, who they could rely on or who could be seen to be um, helpful to them. Also, Ireland is the, the anchor base for the cables, quite literally the, the internet cables that connect up the whole world, both, both sides of the Atlantic. Um, they are, uh, they've had a particular interest in those and they've been spotted and watched trying to find, looking at the landfall for these cables because one of the doomsday scenarios is that, and this is the Irish Navy been saying this quite publicly um, for many years, is that if the Russians decide to come along, and this is one of the big concerns of the Irish Navy and the and the whole international community, that they've been out mooching around in the Irish uh, waters off the west coast, where they're sending submarines down to check the cables. Now they can tap into the cables, but if they cut the cables in half, quite literally, they would snap the world's communications overnight. So there is a lot of for them to do here, and of course, there's a backdoor into Britain and into Europe. Um, it's also uh, it, it, the kind of because it, it is believed that they really high-tech surveillance and monitoring equipment. That's why they're taking up so much room in the Russian embassy, that that equipment is there to quite literally listen in on comms and decipher it and send it back to Russia as part of an intelligence gathering. Paul, this is 
fascinating stuff. You know, I mean, you mentioned earlier, it, it isn't the stuff of, um, you know, the Lacare novels, but what you're telling me right now sounds very much like it could fit into a James Bond movie. Is it something that we as citizens of a country should be aware of or indeed fearful of? Or is it just part and parcel of everyday life for as long as we can remember? That's a really, really good question, Joanne. I think it's, number one, it is such such a huge scenario. Uh, it's it's so f- way out there with James Bond that people find it hard to even believe. Uh, and that's why you'd have a joke like the Irish Secret Service and stuff like that. But these guys are also another role they play here is they've been touching base with dissident Republicans for a long time to see did they need any help. Can they? What they're trying to do is, what spies like, what the Russians like to do, particularly the Russians, is to undermine the stability of whatever country, the, the Western world, so to speak. So they also, as part of the spying paradigm, it's about influence, buying or gaining influence, but also influencing, so to speak, what happens. And that's the dirty tricks uh, that they deployed in the United States. Don't for a minute think that they won't do that here with their, their control of Twitter and Facebook and all the kind of stuff they did before in America. They can do that in any country in the world they want. So we should be concerned about it, but because it's so abstract, we say, ah, Jesus, leave it. You know, we want to be able to see something that's tangible. We want to see if, if they're criminals or spies fighting. We prefer to see them doing a shootout like seeing the movies on Orwell Road between the guards and themselves and the CIA. And then we'd understand it a bit better. But otherwise, all of this remains below the surface. It's subterranean world the vast vast majority of people have absolutely no knowledge of Paul do we know how spies even communicate with one another I mean the, the example I have comes from like TV dramas where the criminals get their mobile phones and, and make the call and then snap it in half and throw it away is it that that level of communication oh way way higher than that like and that's a very good analogy because the reason criminals do that because they are conscious of count they are counterintelligence specialists themselves that's why you had EncroChat, an encrypted phone uh, system, which was cracked by in- international intelligence agencies. And you have to remember as well, there is nobody on the planet going to be more conscious or sensitive uh, to the world of spying and espionage than the spy himself or herself. So they know how they spy on people. So therefore, they know how they can be spied upon. And they use, for example, we had this in the story we did a few months ago about the spies operating here, like they use shortwave radio, but you use it basically the same way that would have been used 50, 60 years ago with a proper encrypted, uh, coded system uh, for relay messages. It has been well known that, that the Chinese, by the way, the Chinese, everyone's forgetting about them here. The Chinese are a bigger threat than the Russians and they're spying here on a humongous scale. But that these countries have been using typewriters for years. This is known in the intelligence se- sector for years that because of their no, their, the, the way they have infiltrated uh, digital communications, they know that the only way they can go back is to send it in the diplomatic bag all the way back to Moscow from Dublin, a Dublin airport, type it up, put it, code it, type it up, put it in a document, hand it to a diplomat and send it to Moscow. My thanks to Irish Independence Group Head of News Kevin Doyle and Special Correspondent Paul Williams. 
I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE 61 News, BBC News and CNN. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.